There's nothing quite as comforting as gathering around with mom friends and sharing stories. Stories have a way of making us feel better, and they're great reminders that no family is perfect, and that's okay. So join us as we share some stories and laugh, learn, and grow together. It's the iMom Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the iMom Podcast. I'm Abby with Megan and Susan and Chloe once again. This week's episode is connecting with a child who's different from you. Um, I have two kids, one with lots of energy who wants to go and do all the time. The other one, the other night, he he's like, Mom, this is the perfect night. He put his blanket in the dryer and like warmed it up. He put on cozy socks and he grabbed a book and he laid on the couch. He's like, and I was like, you're in heaven. He's like, yes. I'm just impressed that he knows how to Wait, warm up. Wait, is this the same kid that did the microwave? <laughs> yes, he's, oh, obs- he's obsessed with warmth. He's obsessed with warmth. That's what I was going to say. Like, <laughs> but he knows how to work everything. He I does, like that. He does. And I think I'm both, depending on the day. Some days I want to go and do. Other days I am really happy with the blanket. Um, but these two kids, like, they don't really step into each other's worlds very often. My little one does not... He's just so stay home and the big one does not like sitting on the couch. And so to me, I I think, though, that I lean more toward my older son. I like to go and do and talk. And and so I just I connect with him a lot more easily because we just have more stuff we can do together. We'll we'll go for walks together. And like one night I asked both of them, I said, do you guys want to go for a walk? And the little one said, no, no, I want to stay home. And I didn't even press him because. I just knew he didn't want to go and he has shorter legs and I knew it would be a harder walk for him. We come back from the walk and we turn the corner and we're coming down our block and I see him standing out front of the house in his pajamas holding a teddy bear. I know, right? And and I get up to him and he's like, I wanted to go, but you guys had already left. I was like, you didn't say, you specifically said you did not want to go, but it broke my heart. And I was like, I really want to connect with this child, but I'm, I'm struggling, you know? Yeah. You need to get a double-sized, like, stroller blanket okay. for him for Christmas. <laughs> and the two of you can cuddle up. I love that idea. You should definitely do that. Yeah. Well, I got a weighted blanket for Christmas last year and he loves it. Aww. And so, yeah, we, we do try to, we, that's his like favorite thing to do together is to cuddle, but Aww. I'm looking for more things, but it's interesting because like, you know, Chloe, you're about to have a baby and we're wired for sameness, you know, when the baby's born, you're like, Oh, he looks just like me in this way. And he looks just like dad in that way. He has my eyes. And then as our kids get older and they start to become their own people, it can be hard if they're not like us. Mm. Um, And that's the topic I I wanted to talk about today and cover today. You know, how do you connect with a child who's different than you? So my first question, do you guys think that you all had one parent that you connected with more than other than the other or Susan do you think that one of your kids was easier to connect with than the others gosh Megan can weigh in here it's really funny because just we won't talk about the boys who are totally different let's talk about my three girls all totally Mm. different yeah Megan's in marketing Emily is in the creative field she did the windows for Nordstrom in New York and Hannah was a nuclear engineer Mm -hmm. so they just were all different so I don't know, Megan. Do you think I, I connect with them differently? Mm-hmm. I will say that. Yeah. For me, I mean, personality-wise, I think I'm definitely more similar to my mom than my dad. But, um, and we were just really close. But I think it's funny because, like, my brother and I were really similar in just, like, personality growing up. But now my brother is a lot closer to, 
to my dad, I think I would guess. I don't know. I think it just, I think it ebbs and flows too, depending on what stage of life you're in. Um, because like, for example, I think my brother was probably close to my mom when he was younger. So I think it probably just depends. Well, so Susan, you've talked a lot about the kids being involved in sports. Do you feel like you were a better sports mom than a theater mom with Emily being in theater? Great. Good example. I was the team mom for the football team, JV yeah. and varsity, and I was the chorus booster president. Huh. So I really did. But here's the deal. Maybe don't compare to me because I love a new challenge. Mm. So I think God gave me all different children because he knew I wouldn't want to repeat anything. Right. Mm. You know, Megan mm. swam. Emily didn't. Emily did theater. Marky did every sport, actually. Grant did different things. I mean, they were just all... Yeah. So I thought it was fun. It was a whole new group of moms to meet every time they joined something new. And I just, I like yeah. change. What about you, Chloe? Do you feel like one of your parents was, uh, could connect to you better than your siblings or that you could connect to one of your parents more easily? Um, I've experienced kind of what Megan said. I've connected with my mom all throughout, you know, my childhood to adulthood. And my dad and I were always close, but my dad and I really began connecting um, on new things when I began working professionally. Uh, my dad is a John Maxwell certified leadership coach and has a lot of like leadership interest and, you know, mindset interest, things like that. So we really have bonded over that. We listen to a lot of the same podcasts. We read books together. So, you know, the older I've got, as my interests have expanded, he and I've connected on different stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on this? You know, if you if your child has a different area of interest, you might think, well, that's something that I am not familiar with. And I know that what I did worked. For example, um, you know, I was the kid that was in all the clubs Mm -hmm. and it was really involved in school. Not all kids want to be, you know, extroverted like that. So for me, I'm thinking, well, that's how I succeeded in school. When you have a kid that's different than you, if they want to do a different path and want to do things differently, you might be parenting out of fear that it's not going to work out. You know, how do you, how do you handle that? Again, for me, I love looking at people's potential. So for each of my kids, um, I really enjoyed, you know, kind of taking those early years and exploring different things. Like in the beginning, ask Megan, when she was really little, I made her take an art class. Mm. It wasn't her thing. Made Emily take an art class. It was definitely her thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I made them all try a lot of different things and I really liked seeing, oh, okay, there's a, they love it, and there's a natural gift for it there. You know, um, Emily wasn't a great swimmer, but Megan was. It it was fun to me to kind of explore. Uh, but are we talking about just, like, different activities than you did? Or are we talking about, like, different personality types? Because I think one thing that probably was more challenging for you, Susan, and Mark was when you know we adopted two kids and the discipline that you used for us didn't work yeah to discipline them and that and it was like you know you did think of much different consequences for them in order to teach them like how to obey and how to you know different things growing up because they never had that so are we talking about just like different activities or are we talking about like having kids that are just like totally different in in personality and things they respond to. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm looking at it as 
for me, it's easier to get along with and parent the child who is more like me because, you know, he wants to cook. And so I would love to, you know, hang out in the kitchen and cook with him. Meanwhile, the little one wants to like play Minecraft and show me Minecraft. I'm like, I don't want to watch any more Minecraft. (laughs) So it's like when you have a similar interest or a similar personality, you know, talkative or whatever, I think that you can more just more easily bond with that child. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean I love the other one any less, but how do you how do you find that common interest and that um, that bond with a child who doesn't mm-hmm. enjoy the same things that you do? I think you take the common interest out of it. If your goal is to bond and they're younger, you're going to do what they like to do because mm-hmm. that's where they're going to light up. And so that's going to create that feeling of we've bonded. You kind of have to go where they want to go. I think Megan brought up our adopted kids. I think, you know, it was really kind of um, – more narrow what we could bond over because they just had never lived in a country where they had anything. So I couldn't Mm -hmm. do things that I did, let's say with, you know, Megan with them. It was, even though they were the same age as Emily and Marky, I had to do things that were different. But I think the goal of the parent is to bond. It's not necessarily always you know, your common interest. Now, I do think it's fun to build family traditions, things that you all like to do, right. whether it's camping or, you know, going to big cities or, you know, um, stuff like that. So I am sure you were a go and do kind of mom, like there's not a lot of sitting around. If you did one of the kids enjoy being home and did you have to adjust to that or were they all ready to get up and go? You know, we had five kids, so it's a little different than when you have two. Um, so, for example... I think I've said this before with, with my boys, I got them to talk more around food. So it was like, I'd take them to eat somewhere (laughs) after sports, Mm -hmm. but you know, especially when they're older, they have a full schedule. And so you have to kind of enter into Mm. their world, Yeah, you know, they're, especially as they advance toward high school and they're either doing music or sports or whatever it is, you kind of have to go where they go. Um, because they're forming and, and I, I think at that age, they're a little bit selfish. You know, it's all about them and what they want to do. Right. So, but you do, you can pick out those special occasions and traditions. Like this is what we do in the holidays. And this is what we do for vacations as a family. For us, it was always, you know, especially with grandparents or extended family, this is what we do Mm -hmm. all in. Mm -hmm. And Mm. so there are some things they don't get to choose. Right. Is that clear? Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious because, um, a big way I like to connect is just by talking. And my parents came and visited me last weekend, and I literally just sat in the guest room with them, and we talked for hours. And I just wanted we talked about random things that don't matter and concepts and all that. And my husband is not like he likes to talk, but <laughs> like we'll talk for like an hour, and he's like, "Okay, I'm I'm done. out of I'm, words. I don't have anything else to say." Right. And I'm you know wondering if our kid's gonna be like that and how do I get to this place where I'm like okay just gotta let go that's Marky yeah that's yeah that's my Marky he's just not a big talker yeah yeah so you just you just I mean my question is how do you just kind of be okay with that well and that's that's really the thought behind all this is that I find myself worrying that like is something wrong with the way that I'm parenting this younger one or because the example you're saying you know if if I want to talk and he doesn't want to talk and it's just part of his personality how do I keep from feeling like I'm missing out on some connection or there's some type of way that he needs to be loved and parented that I'm not 
necessarily equipped for? How do yeah. I step outside of my comfort zone and love him the way that he needs to be loved? Mm. So Marky would say he's definitely an introvert. He only has so many words. Yeah. And when he wants to get those words out, he wants to. <laughs> but what he doesn't, he doesn't. And I can't tell you, I, I've shared this before, how many times we would go to this little gym and I would literally just stand under the basket and shoot him the balls mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And, uh, and did we talk much? Sometimes. If yeah. he was in the mood, we'd talk on the way there or we'd laugh about the way he was shooting or he'd tell me something that was going on in school while he was distracted shooting. Mm. Mm. Uh, but I couldn't count on that always happening. Right. Mm. I just had to be available. Right. It's I good. think that's it, being being available for when they are ready to, to talk. Yeah. And when you do what they want to do, like for him, he really wanted to practice three points, but going and retrieving your own ball all the time cuts your time down by... <laughs> two yeah. thirds. And so just having me stand there was bonding for him. Mm-hmm. He saw that I was taking time away from four other kids and my husband to go shoot for 40 minutes with him. Yeah, it's good. So what do you guys think about the parents, speaking of hobbies, the hobby side of it, parents who really want their kids to pursue the thing that they loved um, and whether that leads to them living vicariously through their child or um I think that a lot of it is that we have this dream, this vision of what parenting is going to be like and what our child's going to look like and act like and the hobbies they're going to enjoy and they're going to be a little mini version of us. And then, and so we we tend to herd them in that direction. Um, did you guys have any experience with that either from your own life or or friends who you've seen like kind of that backfire on, like the child does not mm. pursue the thing that the parent wants them to do? What do you think about that, Megan? I don't think I ever tried to herd you guys into our lives, our past lives. Do you feel like that? No, I don't think so. I have seen people or adults who have said, you know, I played X sport because my parents really wanted me to play and I felt like I couldn't give it up because it would be like letting them down. So like, I know people that like, you know, played a sport in college and they didn't really want to play in college. They wanted to stop after high school, but Mm -hmm you know, they like got a scholarship and their parents really wanted them to do it. And so they just felt like, you know, that that they had to do it because they wanted to please their parents and, you know, make them proud. So I don't know. I think it just, I don't feel like I ever had that maybe because I just wasn't super athletic either. So. <laughs> I will say um, my dad picked all my college classes out because he wanted me to go into finance and I mm. did. Well, and that's true. I mean, it's hobbies, but it's also your career path that your your parents want you to. But that's where it comes into question, is it nature or nurture? You know, Mm -hmm. like, did you go into that because you liked it or because, like, genetically he, like, passed down some finance gene that interested you? Well, and I think it's also awareness. You know, I have friends who my mom was a teacher and my uh, but I went to school with kids whose parents were doctors. They're doctors now because that wasn't like a foreign thing. Like, I never imagined that I would be a doctor because that wasn't part of my life, you know? I think it's environment too. Yeah. So like I have a friend who is a runner and she's like very sad that her kids don't enjoy running. She has mm. three kids and none of them really like to do long distance running. And she always imagined, she's like, I was going to go on these long runs with my kids. And that's just not how things are playing out. Mm. No, I think you just have to be careful to look at it. Like what are the things your kid, you, you, you have to, you have to choose your battles. Mm. So for us, our kids are going to go to church. Yeah. That's our battle. That is the one, you know. And we had a certain expectation about their grades too. You know, and if if there was a problem with the subject, we were going to make sure they got the help so yeah. that they could be successful school and they could be devoted to church and family. And after that, everything else is really 
it's an elective. You know, sports, art, music, or, you know, whether we all like going to Disney World or we don't yeah. is an elective. Um, and our family split on that. Well, I've got the majority of our family hates Disney World. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Emily, who to this day has a, you know, annual pass. I yeah. saw her post so, from Epcot the exactly. other day. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you can't force everybody. But then there's sometimes where, you know, the vacation is chosen by the majority and yeah. everybody falls in because they love the family. So. I think you have to decide what are what are because you don't want to force your kids to do everything. That's right, just right. So this question, I I can't wait to hear your answer for this because I feel like Emily and Megan are very different personalities, and then also Chloe, you have said before that you were emotional. So like we've talked about being different as far as hobbies, but what if you have a child whose personality is very different from yours in the way that like. Um, my younger son is very emotional. He's very comfortable with sadness and telling me when he's sad. Meanwhile, the big one's like, everything's great. I'm happy all the time, you know? So I try to support the little one, but I'm also like, okay, it's time to move past this. Like, let's let go of the thing that's making us sad. Yeah. You've, you felt it. We've talked about it. Now we have to get up and, and go. So like, how do you handle the child who emotionally is different than you? I think it's hard. What do you think, Megan? Yeah, I, my sister and I are so, so different. So a majority of growing up, we did not get along because we were different in the way we looked, how we processed emotions, what, you know, what activities we like to do. I mean, we could not have been more opposite. And I think at the time it just really annoyed each other. But now as now that we're older, I think we've learned to appreciate each other's differences and really leverage those. But even now, I mean, we just think differently and react differently. And so we can still kind of get on each other's nerves about stuff because I'm like one thing she said to me recently, she was like, I just thought that you were like a stone cold, non-emotional, <laughs> like non-empathetic person. And I'm like, no, I, I, I do feel things and I do have empathy. It's just, it's an internal thing for me. It's a, a processing thing. Whereas like she very much wears her heart on her sleeve and like, you know, exactly what emotions she's feeling because she lets you know. So Susan, um, which one so- do you feel easier? Like, is it easier for you to? Oh, I very much. And always in the middle saying, oh, okay. Megan, you need to be softer. Mm-hmm. Hey, and now that we have the Enneagram, I go, remember, she's a four. Yeah. And so she feels things deeply. And, yeah. you know, then with Emily, I said, it's not that Megan doesn't love you. It's just that she moves on. She doesn't let things bother her. And this is, you know, she doesn't like him to make a big deal out of things. And so you have to understand in her world, this is how she does it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I feel like I'm always talking to both of them, mm-hmm. kind of explaining, yeah. accept them for who they are. Yeah. Chloe, do you think that your you you've talked about how your mom said you had big emotions? Do you think she was emotional too and could relate to you because of that, or was yeah, it a different thing? Definitely, I think she was able to relate. And then I think my dad, oh, God bless him, was not able to relate, but did a really good job. Hmm. Like better than your brothers. Oh yeah. Oh my <laughs> my middle brother and I were really close, and kind of like the dynamic um, you're describing between Emily and Megan. Like I just. My middle brother and I were two years apart, and we had the same friend group in high school, and he would just get so annoyed with me. He's like, you've got to get over this, you know. But 
we we remained close. Praise <laughs> God. <laughs> well, we have a great article on imom.com. It actually is coming out to, in today's imom minute, if you are listening to this on the day the episode comes out. Um, it's how to connect with a child who's different than you. And I love these tips because it's kind of, um, it's more glass half full mm-hmm. than the negative side of it. One of them is to notice the similarities. As soon as we have a child, child that's different from us, we tend to, well, we, me, I tend to focus on the things that are different instead of the things that are the same. Admire their strengths and compliment them on him, on them. Learn to collaborate, which I think is so great. Like mm. if, if you're just like somebody else, you're going to come up with the same ideas and reach the same. But having that different person yeah. can lead to something uh, can, great. Can we apply this to husbands well, too? Or is that in the podcast? Well, I was going to say that. Sorry, not to go no. off on a little tangent there, but like. I know you've talked about the difference between you and Mark. Trent and I could not be any more different. And it's harder because they're not children. Yeah, and every situation, I'm like, we should do this. And Trent's like, no, we should do this. I'm like, how do? How, what do we do? But I do think I appreciate uh, what a great team we make. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, Lord, please. I know. Please but let I me. Have, I would have more compassion for the kids than probably my I, husband. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think that's true. Like, if you're in a relationship with somebody who's very different from you, opposites attract or yeah. whatever, then how do you connect with them? Part you compromise. Two. Yeah. Part yeah. two podcast. Yep. <laughs> and then also, the you know, you can call it the differences. I think that um, there's a lot of comparison in the world and we equate differences with deficiencies, but that's not necessarily true. Sometimes different is just different and we all make up this body of Christ and we all yeah. make up, you know, with these different skills and talents and things. So focus on them as assets instead of detriments. That's detriments? Good. Detriment. Hmm. Is that the right word? Drawbacks? I don't know. I don't think I like drawbacks either, producer Bobby. <laughs> um, stumbling blocks? What? Sure. In relationships? Hindrances. Email us and tell us <laughs> what words. <laughs> you know. If you have a child who's different from you, um, tell us how you connect with them and then subscribe to the Amal Minute, like I said, and you'll get articles with topics just like these. And that link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the iMom podcast. iMom is the motherhood program of the nonprofit organization Family First. Along with our fatherhood program, All Pro Dad, we exist to help you love your family well. Subscribe to our daily email, the iMom Minute, by going to imom.com slash subscribe and get tons of great ideas, insight, and inspiration. The iMom podcast is hosted by me, Abby Watts, along with Susan Merrill, Megan Tigner, and Chloe Blumenthal.